we've been known each other in faith and ministry for over 10 years, and Ray has been so key in the lives of our family and particularly our children, um, helping them develop their own walk with God, because that's what we really want, right? It's fine for us to believe, but everybody has to know for themselves what it's like to follow God, and um, Ray and Shannon really carry that um, helping people find their own way with God. So it's such a privilege. And uh, last time I was here, Shannon was sharing about Live Authentic. And I love the values of this church. Live authentic. Live free. Live connected. How great is that? And live creative and live generous. And I can tell you firsthand that these aren't just um, good ideas. These are things that I see Ray and Shannon live out. And they are, and I know 100% that they're going to create that that from these beginnings, from you all, that that's the kind of church you're going to have because that's what they carry. But I have to say, after I was so inspired by Shannon speaking about living authentic, that's living in our unique design, living according to the way God made us, and walking in our destiny, eh? And I I really love this, because I work in a secular environment. And because I work in the medical field, hurting people walk in every day. And so I love to think that I'm carrying the kingdom with me to bring light and freedom and a word of hope. And I got so inspired again. You know, I'm like Esther. Who knows for such a time of this? I'm born, you know. This is great. And then Monday came. (laughs) And Monday was super busy. But I managed to walk in peace. And then... But I was pretty tired by the time Monday night came. And on Tuesday morning, my husband had a big box, and he goes, do you have time? And I said, no, 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 I don't have time to mail your box. Don't talk to me about your box. And he was like, you know what, that's fine. And and, um, he was very gracious. And then Tuesday night came, and we have a home group, and we're studying this great book called Thanks for the Feedback. And... um, So it's all about ways to communicate that build connection and um, the importance of hearing from people and hearing from yourself so you know what's going on. And I thought the group went okay. And afterwards, my husband thoughtfully gave me some feedback. (laughs) And his feedback was quite hard to hear because it went something like this. You're not doing a good job. You're not prepared. You have not made the commitment you said you were going to be. And it's not good enough. And, my, and you know, you have that moment where you go, ouch. And then you go, it really hurts because he's right. And then the next thing is, yes, but. Yeah, yeah yes, but. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this whole book is about learning to listen to people and still living authentically hurts sometimes, doesn't it? It hurts sometimes to uh, be in that place where you're walking forward, but you're not 100%. And so today I'm going to talk about a little bit about how 
what I'm learning about living authentically when it doesn't go well. And so today, I'm, I'm really hoping, Ray, that you'll invite me back in two to three years. And I can, because I feel like a lot of what I'm sharing today is like I'm learning along the way. And I'm hoping in maybe two to three years, but knowing it might even be five to ten years, that it'll be a lot more polished and look more together. Because today, my goal is not to look together. My goal is to talk to you about what it looks like when you're not together. So... Um, that's what I want to talk to. And you know, um, just in that little situation, you can see what was happening is first I started feeling overwhelmed. And um, some of the emotions that came to mind is I felt a little overwhelmed. And then I felt like I didn't meet expectations. And then finally I felt like this wasn't my best day or this isn't good enough. And those are the three things we're going to talk about, I'm going to share about today, and it's just part of being human, all these things. We all know these feelings because we've all had them. And so what, we're going to what I'm going to focus on is how Jesus handled situations like this, because that's, we can pick up some good tips. So I'm going to start with how Jesus handled overwhelming situations. And, um, you know, I have to be honest. Um, so I, I have this habit of, of getting in over my head sometimes because I sometimes assess myself as being able to do more than I can do. And so what did Jesus do when things were overwhelming? Now, I want to make it clear that I don't think Jesus got overwhelmed because he was fully God and fully man. But I believe that Jesus faced overwhelming circumstances and stressful circumstances. And so we can learn by looking at what he did. And um, so we'll, we'll start with Jesus. And it's quite interesting when you start looking at scripture, how often Jesus withdrew. You know, I like to think of him feeding the 5,000, um, you know, uh, talking to the multitudes. And we know he did that. And he also withdrew. And what's interesting to me is often in the context, it's often after he's done a, quite a big miracle or something phenomenal has happened, even the tempting of Jesus, he had his baptism where there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was a pretty spectacular moment. And it said he withdrew to the wilderness. And so... Um, Jesus had a pattern of actually taking time away from the stressful situation. And in these two scriptures, both in Mark and Matthew, actually he had done a pretty good miracle, but people were mad at him. And they were plotting to kill him. And so when he was stressed, he withdrew. And sometimes he took his disciples, and sometimes he didn't. Isn't that interesting? And we, we all have different ways of coping. Sometimes we need our friends around us to lift us up. And sometimes we just need to be alone with Jesus. Now, um, what I loved the song we just let sang. Um, well, actually, the last two songs, It Is Well With My Soul and the song about the word of the Lord. Because in these times, we can center ourselves again on what God has promised us 
what he's spoken to us. And we have to, and in my circumstances, I have to fight for those words sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm a really blessed person in that we had a huge, we had significant medical problems when we were um, trying to have children. And so each of our children, who are now 22, 23, and 24, oh which are born, they were born as a result of the promise of God. You know, and we had a long, we had um, quite um, a lot of ups and downs as we were trying to have children. And, um, but, but then I got, I then the promise came quite quickly of three children in two years. And I, I joke that I like to say what I learned about the promise of God is, you know, we felt like we had this promise in our heart for children. And it was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, if you'll just do a miracle, we'll be able to have children. And by the time I had my third child, I was like, oh God, oh God, give me grace to contain your blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but we sometimes have to, I you know like to me I just wish it were like creation where God spoke and it came to be. But in my life sometimes I have to contend for the word of God for me. And um, we we've just been doing a house remodeling. It's we're still in process, and it's been very difficult for me to see God in this project. And in fact, I got quite discouraged in the middle of it. And uh, fortunately, I, I was able to get away because sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you can't, you can't press, I can't break through all the time. Sometimes I have to get away. And I got away and one in worship, I said, God, you know this thing is weighing heavy on me. I cannot see a way out. What do you want me to know? And um, I had to do a little bit of forgiveness because there was some unforgiveness towards our contractors and my husband standing in the way. <laughs> so I had to get rid of some garbage first. And then God says, my purpose for your house is to be a lighthouse, you know? And, um, and uh, so as things have come up, I feel the anxiety rising again. Who knows, you learn how to be anxious. You train your brain how to be anxious about a certain thing, and then you actually have a physical response when that issue comes up. So we, that's why the Bible says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, don't we? Because we have to untrain our brain to fear, and we have to train our brain to trust. And so, like, you feel that anxiety rising, and you have just a few seconds to make a choice, don't you? Am I going to believe the word of God, or am I going to let my mind race away? And we have to contend for our freedom in these areas. I wish it were easier, but those are the areas. So now, it's not that the things have become easier, um, but I have this moment where I feel the anxiety rising, and I go, okay, I have a choice, and then I can step aside and say, I have God's testimony about the house. I wonder how this is going to play out. God, you have an incredible opportunity because I can't see. And then I have to show compassion to myself. And it, right, doesn't the word say, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving? We have to practice that on ourselves first so we have something to give away. So I have to be kind to myself. And 
what I've realized often, I've often in my life tried to suck it up. How many people have ever heard the expression, take a concrete pill and harden up, right? I just want to say, the All Blacks, last night if you were a rugby fan, they didn't say, harden up and play the game. They said, give it all and then we'll bring the bench in because we have a strong bench. Like, our goal is not to be the strongest person and harden up. We're supposed to be connected to the vine, right? And God's resources. So whenever you feel at the end of yourself, it's a great opportunity to stay in that moment of vulnerability instead of trying to harden up and get on with it, eh? And it's awkward to stay there in that moment where we don't look wonderful, where we're in pain because it's not what we wanted. But we, if we can stay in that moment long enough, it allows God's resources to come to us. And sometimes it comes through other people. Sometimes it comes through the word of the Lord. And sometimes it comes through the smallest kindness Sometimes for me, it's a sunny day because we live in Invercargill and it rains a lot. And I'm like, today was a kiss from God because he knew I couldn't take it one more day. <laughs> so that's very good. The other thing I want to say, there's two in times in, in Jesus' life besides his birth. We, I'm, I'm not counting the angels of the heavenly host. That we know angels came and ministered to him. And one is after his temptation in the wilderness. He passes all the tests. He's doing great. It says angels came and ministered to him. And the other one is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you see the pattern again. Jesus withdraws somewhere to pray. He, he brings around his closest group of friends to stand with him. But then he actually goes a little farther and falls on his face. And one version of the... Uh, uh, gospel says an angel came and strengthened him and I you know I don't I don't think the things that I'm facing are near as stressful as the temptation in the wilderness or Gethsemane but if God has angels available to help me in my time of stress well I should ask for them shouldn't I and you know when I um we isn't that awesome? Like, there's angels available for us. There's angels available for us. I mean, just think of, and your angel might look like you. In the early church, remember the story where Peter was in prison and he was released and, and they had the door locked because it was so scary? And the servant girl, Rhoda, went down and looked at the door and she went back up and said, Peter's here, Peter's here. And they said, no, 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 it's just his angel. The early church was used to experiencing angelic ministry. And like, I want some, eh? Don't you want some? Like, you got some stress? You, you, know, um, you know, whatever you're facing, you can bring angels along to school with you. You can bring angels into your home. You know, and um, we can just invite the angelic because they're part of God's resources. Now, if we could have the next slide. You know, um, it's quite interesting. I, uh, again, um, I just had a situation where I was trying to plan our family holidays, and I'm juggling all sorts of 
sister-in-laws and other people, and I ended up missing the good deals for flights. How many people have ever had that feeling where you're like, oh, if only I'd done this a month ago, and, and, um, and I'm, I'm really frustrated with myself because I had let other people determine what I did. And my good friend said to me, you know, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but you need to stop. Um, you need to just do what's in your heart to do and stop waiting for all the other people. And I'm like, I know, I know, that's why I'm so frustrated, you know, with myself. And, and um, I love my husband. Um, he goes, you know, you just need to get over yourself. And, and I'm like, you know, these people are speaking the truth and love to me, but maybe I need to, like, give, like, like, make them ration their truth a little bit because <laughs> this is really helping me. I know it. But it also is one of my hardest things when I don't meet um, expectations. You know, and then you look at the life of Jesus. And Jesus actually created a lot of waves. He, you know, this, we love the scripture, I only do what the Father, I only do what I see the Father doing. But it was actually, because he said this to explain why he was healing on the Sabbath. And he actually upset a lot of religious people who said, you're not following the rules. Who gave you permission to color outside the lines? Don't you know that this is what it looks like to follow God? And it's quite interesting, in the, in the, in the Jewish mindset, you know, if you followed God, you can look at the book of Job, you'll see this. If you follow God, nothing bad happens to you, and you're wealthy. And Jesus is coming to say, look, it's not like that. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, you know, but I'm with you always. And sometimes we have to, we have to get God's perspective and not listen to what other people think that we should be doing or what we should not be doing. And we cause a lot of our own pain when we feel like we've let down other people that actually aren't responsible for our choices. And so you see, Jesus is free to do what he is supposed to do and not worry about what other people think he's supposed to be doing. Now, well, Jesus, you... You met God's expectations, but sometimes I don't meet my own expectations. And sometimes we have to be willing to die to our, our own inflated view of ourself. Does that make sense? That we sometimes, like I know myself, I wish I sometimes could do more than I can do. And sometimes I have to say, you know what? My husband was right. I actually committed, I said I was going to do something that I actually didn't have the capacity to do. And all I can do now is apologize to the people involved, thank them for their understanding, and learn and go forward. Because um, we can't really learn from Jesus what, we, we can't learn from Jesus what he did when he screwed up because we know he was without sin. But if we look at Paul's life, we can learn a lot about what to do when you haven't met people's expectations. And one of my favorite stories is even Peter and Paul had a strong confrontation. Paul and Barnabas had a strong confrontation because sometimes in the midst of our humanness, 
we have to work it out, and it's actually okay if we have these things going on. Because sometimes it's about communication, about making things clear. And um, what about when actually we don't feel good enough and we haven't met the grade? And I like to say, welcome to being human, eh? <laughs> welcome to being human. And um, they let me teach um, brain chemistry to um, uh, some of the primary uh, school kids. And I'll just share with them, you know, every thought creates a chemical trail in your brain. And the, the things that you think the most often actually are um, hardwired or myelinated is the doctor words. But it means that every time you think something, if you think it over and over again, you get to, it's very easy to think that thought very much. And it's very important how we think about mistakes because we make a lot of mistakes. I do. You know, I'm making mistakes all the time. So if we, every time we make a mistake, we say to ourselves, that sucked, I'm not very good at that, then it becomes easier and easier to think that thought. And um, again, God wants our mind to be renewed. So if we think, instead of we think, that was bad, I shouldn't have done that, I'm bad. If we start thinking, I'm on a growing path, I've learned a way not to do something. I need to apologize, I need to clean up the mess, but I am moving forward, then our brains will be wired towards that. And in that moment, we also have the choice, are we going to defend ourselves, justify our weakness, or are we going to turn to God? We, as we are, like he can't handle nakedness, right? Like in the garden, they were naked but not ashamed because there's no shame with God, is there? There's no shame with God. And um, um, one of the, um, one of the uh, teachings of the church in history is um, that you can imagine yourself in a Bible story. And the Jews said, who are you in the story? One of my favorite stories to imagine myself in is the woman caught in adultery. And you can, you can just put one of your besetting sins instead of adultery. You know, you might, uh, like for me, I might put Jesus, I was caught with my hand in the chocolate box again. You know, <laughs> I was caught again um, uh, um, in my tendency towards negativity. You know, just put your favorite thing in that moment. And Jesus, and you are deserving of punishment. And everybody knows it. Like, isn't that our greatest fear? We'll be completely exposed. And in that moment, Jesus has the power for us, to, for our whole identity to be extinguished. Yet Jesus looks at us. He silences. Not only does he not condemn us, he silences our accusers. Isn't that awesome? He says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says everybody started going away. That's the power when we turn to Jesus. Our accusers are condemned. Our accusers leave. And then we can hear him say to us, neither do I condemn you. 
And then I love the go and sin no more. It's like you've learned something. Do you want to be here again? No. And just let's just take a moment to like let hear Jesus speak to your heart that you that he is not condemning you. He knows our greatest weakness. He knows our most vulnerable moment. And he's standing in front of us and he's saying, I am not condemning you. And when we feel that love, when we know it's well with our soul, it gives us the courage to live brave, to face our mistakes, and to carry on. It's just a beautiful thing, the presence of the Lord. Let's just spend a minute more here. Um, <coughs> I bless you to live authentic. To live in a way that your that Jesus can meet you in your vulnerability. He can meet you when you don't meet other people's expectations. And he can meet you when you're overwhelmed. I bless you to know, to have power together with all the saints, to know the height, breadth, depth and width of his love, and to know that love in a way that surpasses understanding.